Welcome to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. Wherever you're listening from, welcome. We pray that the truth from the Word of God speaks to your heart during today's message. Been going through this study on giants in the Bible, we see they pop up a lot. That's pretty easy to discover if you start running some verses. When we looked at Genesis chapter 6, we talked about when, when the flood of Noah came, all the human race was destroyed, minus the eight. Right? And God destroyed those, uh, he cast those angels, those fallen angels uh, that tried to make their way to God. He cast them down into hell. But we still have fallen angels. There's an innumerable number of, of angels, right? We, see, we know that from Hebrews 12, I believe it is. And so a third of those are fallen angels. They, they fell, they followed Lucifer. And so what happens is, well, let's answer this question. If, if God destroyed all of the people living, minus the eight, Noah and, 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 and his family, if they were all destroyed, and we, we ran the, the verse on the giants on that. We already talked about that. Well, how come they keep showing up? Because those fallen angels, they start intermingling again. And that's why we have additional giants showing up in the Bible. Now go to Psalms 82. That's going to be our starting point tonight. Psalms 82. There are other gods. Little G gods, not the supreme almighty God, the creator God that we serve, capital G, capital O, capital D, capital L-O-R-D, not that God, not, not our supreme God. But Psalms 82 verse number one says, God standeth in the congregation of the mighty. He judgeth among the gods little g gods you see that there are other gods uh how long verse two will ye judge unjustly and accept the persons of the wicked Selah. don't follow these little g gods think about that for a bit don't follow them the course of this world follows them they should verse three defend the poor and fatherless do justice to the afflicted and needy, deliver the poor and needy, rid them out of the hand of the wicked. They know not, neither will they understand. They walk on in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are out of course. You see that phrase, foundations of the earth? You see verse 1, among the gods? Remember we read in Job 38, whereupon are the foundations thereof fastened? Or who laid the cornerstone thereof when the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy? Back in Job 38, they were all on God's side. They were. But a bunch of them didn't stay on God's side. I, so from the foundations of the earth, are all on course. Verse 6, I have said, you're gods and all of you are children of the most high but ye shall die like men and fall like one of the princes 
Arise, O God, judge the earth, for thou shalt inherit all nations. From the foundation of the earth to the second coming of Christ, we see these little g gods really trying to take kingdoms. And God issues destruction upon them and wipes them out like we've seen in the last two messages and we're going to see uh, a little bit more tonight so they intermingle and when they die they die like men would die and so that's Psalms chapter number 82 now do you see where it says hold, hold the thought here where it says but ye shall die like men and now I want you to turn to Isaiah chapter number 26. So we've established so far that there are other gods, little g. We've established that there are giants on the earth because the sons of God mingling with the daughters of men. And every time there's a mingling, God shows up and destroys them. And in Isaiah chapter 26, look at verse number 12. Lord, thou wilt ordain peace for us, for thou also hast wrought our works in us. O Lord our God, other lords besides thee have had dominion over us. Notice that little L lords. But by thee only will we make mention of thy name. Now, this is an interesting verse 14. They are dead. Well, that's not so interesting. They shall not live. Well, that's not really what I'm trying to go for. They are deceased. We understand that. They shall not rise. Now, that's interesting. You ever try to witness to a Jehovah's Witness? You're going to end up tied up in the book of Matthew. You're going to end up tied up in Psalms 38 about all the righteous uh, inherit the earth, except they don't know how to have imputed righteousness. Uh, and you're going to end up in a passage like this, Isaiah chapter 26, because you know what they believe? Annihilation. You know what Isaiah chapter 26 teaches? Annihilation. But not for humans. Not for you and I. Because the Bible very clearly teaches that all are going to stand. All men are going to stand before God out of judgment. <laughs> right? All men are. So we are not annihilated. But you know who is? When the sons of God mingle with the daughters of men. And a race of refiums or a race of giants. When those fallen angels have offspring, when they are wiped out by God, they are annihilated and they will not be risen again. They will not rise again. So people say, well, does the Bible teach annihilation? It does. Not for people. But for this mingled race of people. Daughters of men with fallen angels, God annihilates them. It says, they shall not rise. 
Therefore hast thou visited and destroyed them and made all their memory to perish. First, one more verse. Thou hast increased the nation, O Lord, thou hast increased the nation. Thou art glorified. Thou hast removed it far unto all the ends of the earth. That's a that's a great verse to end on to give praise and glory to God. When they get wiped out, that's it. They're not going to rise again. That's how strong our God is. Now, do you see where it says, Thou hast removed it far unto all the ends of of the earth. You know back in the Old Testament. All this destruction that's going on. You know when God. Well let's go there. Go back to your Old Testament. Deuteronomy 33. Let's read the verse. Deuteronomy 33. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, numbers. Let's go to Numbers. You know what you're in Deuteronomy. Go to Deuteronomy chapter 7. Deuteronomy chapter number seven. Do that first. And the Bible says in verse number five. Uh, well, let's read verse number four. For they will turn away thy son from following me that they may serve other gods. See that little G gods? You can see in verse number one, the Canaanites are involved in that. We know it showed up in Canaan. We looked at that last week. Back to verse number four. So we. So will the anger of the Lord be kindled against you and destroy thee suddenly. But thus shall ye deal with them. Ye shall destroy their altars and break down their images and cut down their groves and burn their graven images with fire. For thou art his only people unto the Lord thy God. The Lord thy God hath chosen thee to be a special people unto himself. God wants it all destroyed. He doesn't want it hanging around. I'm telling you, it makes a practical application. You know how many Christians or so-called Christians have things in their homes that should be in their homes that have to deal with devil worship and witchcraft and idolatry and those books and those images and those movies and all of that shouldn't be in a Christian's home. God wants it destroyed. He doesn't want it coming to our memory. Vile stuff. Uh, go to uh, Deuteronomy 12. Deuteronomy 12. Verse number three. Uh, verse number two. You see it again. You shall only destroy all the places where the nations which ye shall possess serve their little g gods. There it is again. Upon the high mountains and upon the hills and under every green tree and you shall overturn overthrow their altars and break their pillars and burn their groves with fire and ye shall hew down the graven images of their gods and destroy the names of them out of that place God wants it all destroyed alright numbers 33 thanks brother Kelly verse 52 okay that is correct thank you sir uh, then ye shall drive out all the inhabitants of the land from before you and destroy what? All their pictures. 
It's kind of like the Christian parent that wants to sit their child down and open up a picture book and show them all the Greek gods so they can learn about all of the giants. God didn't want his people when they conquered the land. He didn't want the pictures lying around. If you see a stone and there's something carved in there with these little G gods, destroy it. He don't want it lying around. And he doesn't want his people today getting mixed up in that stuff. You don't need to know about that. You just need to know it's out there and it's bad. Stay away from it. He said, verse 52, and destroy all their molten images. And quite cut down all their high places. And he shall dispose the inhabitants of the land and dwell therein. For I have given you the land to possess it. God gave him the land and he asked him to destroy everything associated. These giants, it's a big deal. They want a kingdom and they're not going to get it. Why all the destruction? Because these fallen angels, these sons of God are mingling with the daughters of men. In our day, we have New York Giants, baseball teams, football teams. When I was a kid, we used to watch the commercial would come up there. Ho, ho, ho. Jolly Green Giant. You want to sell a big P? <laughs> what do you do? What do you do? You go to Grimm's Fairy Tale and you find some giant and you, and you, and you sell. And you sell. Jack and the Beanstalk. He comes up the Beanstalk and guess where he ends up? In a land of giants. Imagine that. You know what the new movie is that's supposed to be popular among this heathen world? Thor. Odinson. You remember some of our message on Odin and his tree? You'll be able to tie the dots. You know what their tagline is for the movie? In God's we trust. Little Jesus. It's all over this world. And teenagers and young people and parents that should have more sense are spending the money and taking their families there. The Old Testament, God said, wipe it all out. And somehow we think, well, we're not under the law. Okay, well, you're under grace and God saved you by his grace. He gave you eternal life. Wouldn't you want to, wouldn't you want to end your life on a verse that honors God when you want to end your life on activity that that honors God. Okay, so some practical application. Now let's move on to First Samuel because we have to look at no study about giants would be complete without going to First Samuel chapter number 17. First Samuel chapter 17, let's look at verse 1. Now the Philistines gathered together their armies to battle. Look at verse 2. And saw the men of Israel were gathered together and pitched by the valley of Judah and set the battle in array against the Philistines. The Philistines stood on the mountain on the one side and Israel stood on the mountain on the other side. There was a valley between them. 
And there went out a champion out of the camp. A champion means a man between two camps. He wasn't an ordinary soldier. Oh, no. He was a champion. Of the Philistines named Goliath of Gath. We're going to find out. David is going to be anointed king. He's not yet anointed. But he's going to be an anointed king. And he's going to sit on a throne on the earth on Jerusalem. But not before he does what? Slays a giant. And before the Lord Jesus, when the, right before the Lord Jesus Christ comes back, you are going, well, I guess we'll, we'll, I'll, I'll give the teaser and then we'll finish out the thought later. The ruling kings of the earth. We're going to be right back to where we started with these giants. Sons of God mingling with the daughters of men. And when Christ comes back to sit on that throne, before he comes back, he's going to take every last one of them out. He's going to set up his kingdom. We'll get to that later. I kind of got ahead of myself. Sometimes I do that. It doesn't tie in exactly how I like it to. So let's keep going on the first end. So you have this champion. Watch these next couple of verses. And you tell me if this means anything. I don't know if it does. Uh, and there, uh, verse number uh, four, at the end of the verse, it says, whose height was six cubits in a span. There's the first six. And he had a helmet of brass upon his head, his arm with a coat of mail. The weight of the coat was 5,000 shekels of brass. He had greaves of brass upon his legs, and target of brass between his shoulders. And the staff of the spear was like a weaver's beam. And the spear's head weighed 600 shekels of iron. There's the second six. And one bearing a shield went before him, and that finishes out the sixth, the, the, the third six, for six, six, six. He had, he had six cubits. He had six pieces of arm. He had 600 shekels of iron. Does that mean anything? I don't know. I just found it interesting. <laughs> you got something else on it? Let me know. That's rather neat to look at. Look at verse number eight. And he stood and cried unto the armies of Israel and said unto them, Why are you come out to set your battle in array? Am I not a... Am not I a Philistine and ye servants to Saul? Choose you a man for you and let him come down to me. he be able to fight with me and to kill me. Then will we be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then shall be our servants and serve us. And the Philistine said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man. He says it again, that we may fight together. Oh, he's going to get a man, all right. He's going to get a shepherd for him. We're dealing with super. We're dealing with a superman, a champion between those two camps. But he's not going to stay champion for long, is he? But he calls out a man, a superman, a giant. Calls out a man. Verse number twenty-four. Let's skip down. And as we do that. Um, go back to Joshua. I want to get a verse in Joshua. And let's go to the tw uh, 14th chapter. 
I want to tie in a little bit from last week's message. Joshua chapter 14. So hold your finger there. We'll continue reading in 1 Samuel 17. Hold your finger in Joshua 14. Because in 1 Samuel 17, by the time we get down, oh, all the way down to verse number 24, it says, And all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him. And were sore afraid. Isn't that reminiscent of the spies? The ten spies? Not Joshua and Caleb. But those ten spies, you know why they did not want to go into the land that God told them to go into? Because of the giants. And do you know what is happening in 1 Samuel chapter number 17? They are all looking and they're seeing the giant except one shepherd boy. And that one shepherd boy is not afraid. He's got his eyes on the living God. Now, watch in Joshua chapter number 14, verse number 12. Watch what Joshua said. Look at, or look at Caleb here in, in Joshua chapter 14. He says, now, therefore, give me this mountain. Whereof the Lord spake in that day. For thou heardest in that day how the Anakims were there. We all know what the Anakims are from the last few messages. They're the giants. And they're all afraid. And none of them want to go to the land. But Caleb says, give me, go. I'm going to go to that mountain. You, is that where they are? I'm going. I'm going to where the Anakims are. Why? Because he did not have his eyes to be afraid, he did not have his eyes on the circumstances of the giants. He had his eyes on the Lord. And the Lord gave him the victory. And it's the exact same thing when David comes up against the giant. Everybody else has their eye on the giants. David's got his eye on the Lord. And I'm telling you, that's some good preaching time right there. You and I, we got to get our eyes off the giants. And get our eyes on God. And that will allow us. That will allow us to get. All the victories down here that we need. Just keep your eyes on God. He's the one that's worth Okay. Oh, uh, uh, midweek preaching. You don't always have to do it on a Sunday morning. You can you can break up the Bible study and do some preaching. Okay. Where, where are we left off here? In Joshua 14. And he says, And that the cities were great fenced. If so, be the Lord will be with me. Then I shall be able. And he's not able unless the Lord's with him. You see that? Shouldn't that be exactly how we talk and exactly how we think? It really should. If so, be the Lord will be with me. Then I shall be able to drive them out as the Lord. Said Joshua and Caleb, they just believed what God said. That is where we all right. Back to first Samuel chapter 17. A little tie in there. We don't have to be afraid, but we see the same fears come up when these giants show. 
Let's skip on down to verse 33 in 1 Samuel 17. And Saul said to David, Thou art not able to go against this Philistine to fight. For thou art but a youth, and he a man of war from his youth. And David said unto Saul, Thy servant kept his father's sheep. And there came a lion and a bear and took a lamb out of the flock. I went after him and smote him and delivered it out of his mouth. When he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and smote him and slew him. Thy servant slew both the lion and the bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them. Seeing he hath defied the armies of the living God. In other words, hey, Saul, you don't have to worry about it. After all, I've killed lions and bears. And if I've got God on my side, you think this Philistine is a threat to me? He's completely sold out for God. He's got his eyes on the right thing here. Uh, we, we know his fall, and he had his eyes and uh, on the wrong thing. That's a different message. But here he had his eyes on the Lord. And we see how it worked out. Well, at least we'll see that. Now, verse 40. Verse number 40. And I don't know. Let's get Daniel. Uh, get Daniel 2. So you have that finger. Because I think I'm going to turn there. As we stay in 1 Samuel 17. But keep your finger in Daniel chapter number 2. Yeah, I am going to turn here. Look at verse 40 in 1 Samuel 17. Skip ahead here in 1 Samuel 17, verse 40. We, we know here it says, And he took his staff in his hand and chose him five smooth stones out of his brook. Now, we're going to look at his four brothers in a minute. Many say he took five because he was going to go after his four brothers. Now, is that true? I don't know, but it seems like it's a reasonable, uh, pretty reasonable why he had five, right? Uh, so he had, he had his five smooth stones. He put them in his shepherd's bag, which he had, even the script, and his sling was in his hand. He drew near to the Philistine. And the Philistine came all and drew near to David. The man bare that shield went before him. And when the Philistine looked about and saw David, he disdained him, for he was but youth and ruddy and of a fair countenance. The Philistine said unto David, Am I a dog that thou comest to me with staves? And the Philistine cursed David by his little G gods. David's got his eye on the Almighty God. And Goliath, who is the offspring of the sons of God intermingling with the daughters of men, has his eyes on little g-gods, on how he was created. We already went through, we, we, we see all this, all the, all the mythology, the new movie that's coming out about Thor and all, all this stuff. It's all little g-gods taken from the Bible and rescripted. And instead of destroying all those images like God told them to do, 
What does this world do? They just recreate them and put them up on a, on a movie screen. But the Philistine, uh, okay, so where are we going to go? Let's go down to, let's go down to verse 46. This day of the Lord delivered thee into my hand, and I will smite thee, and take thine head from thee. I will give the carcasses of the hosts of the Philistines this day unto the fowls of the air, and to the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Now, I know many young boys want to go out. I mean, that's a great verse, you know. Let's just go to war. <laughs> that's not what we're called to do. But you know what God called David to do? That. Why? Because these giants are being wiped out. And every single time there's a new mingling with fallen angels and the daughters of men, God shows up and prepares a people to destroy them. And that ultimately is the basic bottom line reason why there was so much destruction in the Old Testament. God is wiping that race out. And David is obeying the Lord. Joshua and Caleb, they obeyed the Lord. Everybody else, Noah, he obeyed the Lord. The other folks, they're all afraid he cats. <laughs> all afraid. And all this assembly shall know, verse 47, that the Lord saveth not with the sword and spear. When the battle is the Lord's, he will give you into our hands. And it came to pass, the Philistines arose and came and drew nigh to meet David. David hasted and ran toward the army to meet the Philistines. He's just running. He, he's, he don't care. He's got his eyes on God. He has no care for fear. And David put his hand in his back and took thence a stone. He took one stone out. And slang smoked the Philistine in his forehead, and the stone sunk into his forehead, and he fell upon his face to the earth. So David prevailed with the Philistine with a sling and with a stone, and smote the Philistine and slew him. There was no sword in the hand of David. Therefore David ran and stood upon the Philistine and took the sword, and drew it out of the sheath thereof, and slew him, and cut off his head therewith. And when the Philistines saw their champion was dead. He's not a champion. They fled. You know what happens every year when a champion is crowned? The following year, another champion has to be crowned. And then the following year, another champion has to be crowned. It's interesting to me that he's called a champion. And it's also interesting to me that every time these giants show up, it's proof to me in the Bible that there's been another mingling. And they don't stay on top. They don't stay as champions. They're destroyed. And then there's another mingling. Okay, God's going to send in another destruction. And then there's another mingling. And God's going to send in another destruction. David used a stone, right? He used a stone. I'm not saying if you're 
you know, a, a champion fisherman. I'm not saying you're bad. I'm just saying you're not going to stay. Next year, someone else is going to be the, you know, the bass, the big bass champ. You know, you're not going to win the tuna, the big tuna fishing, marlin fishing contest every year. There's going to be somebody else that's, going to, that's a bigger marlin. Now, what did he use? He used a stone. Now, go back to Daniel 2. Tell me if it means something. If you don't think it is, it means something, then okay. But I find it to be very interesting that in Daniel chapter 2, verse number 45, watch what it says. For as much as thou sawest, that the stone was cut out of the mountain without hands. You know where they were standing? Between the valley? Two mountains back in 1 Samuel. You know what David used to kill Goliath? A stone. You know what Daniel 2 is talking about? The ruling kingdom right before Christ comes back. And he says, and he says in the lost my spot, verse 40, 45. For as much as thou sawest that the stone was cut out of the mountain without hands, and that it break in pieces, the iron, the brass, the clay, the silver, and the gold, the great God hath made known to the king what shall come to pass hereafter. And what's going to come to pass is, Daniel is giving us, we talked about it before, a prophetic look into Christ's millennial kingdom. It's a stone kingdom. And when he comes up, you know what he does? He destroys and he smashes all of the kingdoms from Daniel's day to the second coming all throughout that each kingdom that's why God calls this time right now that we're in he calls it the times of the Gentiles why because it's a time when the Jewish nation will not have a king Hosea 3 with the children of Israel shall abide many days without a king and this is going to until the second coming of Christ when he sets up his stone kingdom it'll be the millennial kingdom and that stone kingdom when Christ comes back it's not going to represent grace you know what's going to represent when he comes back destruction because the king's ruling right before Christ comes back you know who they are going to be giants it's a prophetic look. They're going to be mingling that will be going. On. Now, praise God, we're going to be raptured out of here. But Christ's going to come back. And he's going to destroy all of that. The stone kingdom, it's Christ. It's Christ's kingdom. Daniel 2.43, look at this. And whereas thou sawest iron mixed with miry clay, they... What's Daniel talking about? Kings and kingdoms. They, who's the they? The kings of the earth during that time. And what are they going to do? Mingle themselves with the seed of man, but they shall not cleave one to another, even as iron is not mixed with clay. They, sons of God, my fault, are going to mingle themselves with the seed of men. Those ruling kings during that time will be offspring of guess who? Fallen angel. The same way we got offspring from fallen angels before the flood, before God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, before they conquered Canaan, 
They went and destroyed all the giants. Before David sits on the throne in Jerusalem, he has to kill a giant. You say, Brother Jim, I've never heard this ever before. That's okay. I know it's shock. I know it's shocking. But it's all throughout the Bible. You can't miss giants. If you read your Old Testament, you couldn't miss it. What does Matthew 24 say? But as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. There were giants back then. There's going to be giants in the future then. <laughs> I thought the stone and the stone, David Stone, Stone Kingdom, make of that what you will, I find it to be interesting, uh, if nothing else. Uh, go back to, I think it's Second Samuel. It is. It is. It's 2 Samuel 21. 2 Samuel 21. These giants making a mess of things. This week at the fair, as fun as it would be to talk to somebody about giants, please don't. We we. We, we're not going to talk to them about that stone kingdom, that physical kingdom. We got to talk to them about the spiritual kingdom. We're in the time. We're in the times of the Gentiles, and it, 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 as much as I love this stuff, it's interesting. Uh, our commission isn't to convince people to see giants. Our, our our commission is to convince people to see Christ as the only Savior for their sins. Just to recalibrate our thoughts as we move in. We're going to have heavy outreach this week. And we want you all to be involved and have your hearts and mind ready for that. I want to look at another thing here in 2 Samuel 21. In verse number 15. Moreover, the Philistines had yet war against with Israel. And David went down and the servants with him. He fought against the Philistines. And David waxed faint. Not a young shepherd, shepherd boy anymore. And verse number 16, it says, And Ishbibinah, which was of the son of the giant, the weight of whose spear weighed 300 shekels of brass in weight, he, being girded with a new sword, thought to have slain David. But Abishai, the son of Zeruiah, Secured him and smote the Philistine and killed him. So you have. You have in verse number 16. Ishbibinah. That's one of the four. Ishbibinah is killed. Babishai. Look at verse number. Uh, well, we'll keep reading verse 17. Then the men of David swear unto him saying. Thou shalt go no more out with us to battle, that thou quench not the light of Israel. And it came to pass after this that there was again a battle with the Philistines at Gob. Then Shibachai, the Hushathite, slew Saph, which was of the sons of the giant. So Ishbibinah was killed by Abishai. Saph was killed by 
to Bethsaida. That's two down. And there was again a battle in Gob, verse 19, with the Philistines, where Alhanan, the son of Jeriah, a Bethlehemite, slew the brother of Goliath the Gittite. Now, you remember we were doing, uh, on Sunday nights, we were doing King James Bible issues. Remember we used this verse when we showed that what you have in 2 Samuel chapter 21 is you have the account of the four brothers of Goliath that are being slain, they're being eliminated. David took care of Goliath. But if you had a modern version, remember we ran the verse, they want to take out the italicized words, and it makes David not the one who killed Goliath. Does that make sense? But David did kill Goliath. And we've got four brothers. Two of them are down, thanks to Abishai and Sebechai. Now the third one is going down, the brother of Goliath, and he was killed by Elhanan. See that? Where Elhanan slew the brother of Goliath the Gittite. I just skipped past those words only because they're hard to read. Does that mean we get rid of No. <laughs> you just gotta, you gotta, if you listen to scurvy, I guess everybody says he said it right. That, that's the way you're supposed to say it. I don't know if that's true or not, but none the event, in, in any event, who killed the brother of Goliath the Gittite staff? Like we repeat. You have Elhanan. He took out the third one. That's three down. All right, we're going to, I'm going to come back to thought in a minute. But here we got verse number 20. And there was yet a battle in Gath where there was a man of great stature that had on every hand six fingers and on every foot six toes, 24 and 20 in number. And he also was born to the giant. When he defied Israel, Jonathan, the son of Shimei, the brother of David, slew him. So Jonathan, David's brother, takes out the fourth one, the fourth brother, who, you know, he must have been an ugly dude to go tackle against. He come out, he's got six fingers here, six fingers there. And yeah. You know what's even weirder about the whole thing? You got the sons of God mingling with the daughters of men. The whole, everything, their whole lifestyle is wicked. You got incest, sinful incestual relations going on. How can he be the brother of when they're the son of? You don't want to park on that thought too long. Goliath and his mom and incest and brother and son. It's a wicked, wicked group of people. That's why God said in the Old Testament, destroy every last one of them. Get rid of them. And when Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord, he was just and perfect. You know what that meant? His seed had no intermingling at all. At all. And God wiped them out. Everybody except the eight. Why? Because the seed was pure. No intermingling with giants. With those with the sons of God. Now, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. Except after God wiped them all out, more mingling. And so he wipes them out again. And then more mingling. And he wipes them out again. And Revelation 12 and Daniel 2, and we'll close out. It's a good spot to close. Revelation 12. 
There it is. I lost my Daniel spot. I want to finish in Daniel 2 because we're going to have to get back on track with these kingdoms next week and get off the giants. But, you, you know, when you by the time we run all of these verses, I hope whether you agree or disagree on Genesis 6, I hope you can see all these giants showing up. That makes it more clear to me that Genesis 6 wasn't talking about an ungodly line with a godly line mingling together. It was the sons of God coming down, intermingling with the daughters of men. And as you see, the same pattern happening. Destruction, intermingling. Destruction, intermingling. Destruction, giants. Destruction, giants. Destruction, giants. It all follows that same pattern. Revelation 12. Verse number. Seven, and there was a war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought and his angels. And prevailed not, neither was their place found any more in heaven. And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil, and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world. He was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now has come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down which accused them before our God day and night. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives unto the death. Therefore rejoice, ye heavens, and ye that dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea, for the devil has come down unto you, having great wrath, because he knoweth that he hath but a short time. And he does. And you know what's going to happen during that time of Jacob's trouble? When we're out of the times of the Gentiles and the church is raptured out of here. When he's cast down, those ruling kings, they are going to have the kingdom set up for him. They are. Because he's always wanted the throne. He's always wanted the kingdom. And those last ruling kings, are going to be the offspring of the sons of God. And they're going to have the kingdom prepared for them when he comes down. You see why? We went through all Matthew 24. We talked about all that deception and it just abounds so much. We think it's bad now because it's, you know, the fake news and all that. And I'm not saying it's not. All I'm saying is we have no idea how bad the deception will be. Now, praise God, we're not going through it. But they're going to have a false king ready. Ready to crown him. Satan on earth. And David's not going to sling a stone on the giant. Christ is going to come back, set up a stone kingdom. He's going to come in on a white horse, and he's going to wipe every last one of them out. And he's going to set up his millennial kingdom. Daniel 2. Let's go back and we'll finish there. 
Daniel 2, verse number 43. And whereas thou sawest iron mixed with miry clay, they shall mingle themselves with the seed of men, but they shall not cleave one to another, even as iron is not mixed with clay. And in the days of these kings, those kings that have intermingled in those days, that's at tribulation time. And in the days of these kings shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed, and the kingdom shall not be left to other people, but it shall break in pieces and consume all these things. And it shall stand forever. And it's going to come to a close. And right now, it isn't. We're in the times of the Gentiles, and we have a commission given to us by our God. But there's going to come a time when the clock's going to start ticking again. And Christ is going to come back. And we're going to come with him. And he's going to smash. He's going to smash all of those intermingled kings who want to Satan who Satan ultimately wants thank you for listening to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church we look forward to seeing you in the next episode in the meantime you can sign up for our email newsletter at www.pilgrimbaptist.church